So I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service at Ananda Village. Special welcome to our guests and visitors, those viewing online, and we're very happy to be with you this morning. I am Naya Swami Parvati. This is Naya Swami Pranaba, and today we have joining us as a guest speaker, uh, Brahmachari Jitendra. And this is a reading from the rays of the one light, reading based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda, and written by Swami Kriyananda. What is it to fail spiritually? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. The first passage is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25. Jesus tells the parable of the ten virgins, five of them wise and five foolish. They await their bridegroom, the Christ consciousness. The wise virgins keep the oil in their lamps, symbolic of their devotion, lit through the night. The foolish virgins place no oil in their lamps. These foolish ones are like the average devotee, going through the motions of outer ritual, but keeping no fire of love burning in the heart. When the bridegroom's coming is announced, the foolish virgins realize their mistake and hasten out to purchase oil. During their absence, the Christ consciousness comes and embraces those who have been awaiting him with devotion. The foolish ones, by their lackluster devotion, are not accepted by him. Watch, therefore, Jesus told his listeners, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramhansa Yogananda describes the foolish virgin consciousness he encountered in the Mahamandal hermitage he stayed in as a young man in Benares. I was pleased, he wrote, that my new home possessed an attic where I managed to spend the dawn and morning hours. The ashram members, knowing little of meditation practices, thought I should employ my whole time in organizational duties. They gave me praise for, I, for my afternoon work in their office. Don't try to catch God so soon. This ridicule accompanied one of my early departures toward the attic. Later, during meditation, I felt lifted as though bodily to a sphere uncircumscribed. Thy master cometh today. A divine womanly voice came from everywhere and nowhere. This supernal experience was pierced by a shout from a definite locale. A young priest nicknamed Habu was calling me from the downstairs kitchen. Mukunda, enough of meditation. You are needed for an errand. The Divine Mother's words were not spoken for the benefit of that priest, the foolish virgin, but for Mukunda, the wise virgin. For this was the day his guru, Sri Yukteswar, came to him. Grieve not, friends. 
if you feel that you have been foolish. No error is forever. Someday, if you keep your lamp lit now, your opportunity will come. In the Bhagavad Gita, the sixth chapter, Krishna promises every devotee, Arjuna, none who works for self-redemption will ever meet an evil destiny. Spiritual failure, though a deep disappointment, is always temporary. Eternal hellfire is but a projection of vindictiveness in the human mind. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. So good morning, everyone. It's a blessing to be with you all here this morning. I think one of the greatest gifts in life is to be in the same room with open hearts and souls yearning for God. So it's a blessing to share with you this morning. I'd like to begin with reading from Whispers from Eternity, Prayer Demands written by Paramahansa Yogananda. Demand that God respond. <clears throat> Today, Father, thou hast come into my temple. With thy coming, all the lights of my sense servants have sprung to life, and the door of my heart has been opened wide. Thy blessings has driven away the darkness of ages, sending its heavy vapors fleeing at the first glimpse of thy approach. The loud beating drums of my craving announce thy manifestation. The incense of devotion, rising from the incessor of my soul, wafts upward to thee. Oh, bless me always. Respond to me whenever I call to thee. So with today's topic, I'd like to share a story in the autobiography of a yogi that Paramahansa Yogananda's father, who was a disciple of Lahiri Mahashai. And he, his, Yogananda's father told him the story that after Lahiri Mahashai left his body, he said that he felt grief. But as he discovered his secret omnipresence, he lamented no more. He tells a story of Lahiri Mahashai, who used to write letters to all of his devotees that were over-anxious to see him. And he would write to them and he would say to them, uh, why come to view this flesh and bones when I'm always within your sight, within your range of your kutashta, of your spiritual eye? So this very much relates to today's topic because one of the struggles, one of the challenges for many people on their spiritual path is that God seems at times unreachable. He seems um, a little too far away. And so we're all being asked to seek that living presence within ourselves. And today's parable uh, that we hear of uh, comes after the previous chapter in the Bible of Matthew 24, where Christ speaks of his second coming. And so it's important, this analogy, to put it in that reference because we begin to learn that 
we're, we're learning what, in light of knowing of Christ's second coming, of what we need to do. And so we hear this, <clears throat> of course, many times. Our Guru Paramahansa Yogananda said that in an outward sense, a part of his mission was a part of this second coming of Christ. And he said that Christ himself sent him to the West to reawaken the deeper teachings of Christ. We get reminded of this every week in the Festival of Light, where we, we hear of the beautiful, touching story of Christ appearing to Babaji and saying, the lights on the high altar of my church are growing dim. Though still lit on lower works, lower altars of good work, the noble taper of inner communion with the Lord burns low and is ill-attended. Let us, united in Christ's love, set lights ablaze on that high altar once again. So this is our path. This is this path of yoga, this path of meditation, to go within and to, to reawaken the true presence of Christ that lives within each one of you. When I was growing up as a Catholic, I remember an early memory <clears throat> sitting in church, and very often the priests would proclaim that um, Christ will come again, and that we have to be prepared, because we certainly don't want to go to hell. We all want to go to heaven. So I remember often, in, as the priests would uh, proclaim of Christ's second coming, I remember one specific incident that's fresh in my mind, that as the priest said that Christ himself will walk through these doors of this church, and we all have to be ready to receive him. And so being young and interested in, in Christ, I, after hearing this, of course, I would, I would just make sure to turn around just to make sure <laughs> Christ wasn't going to walk through the door. I wanted to be the first one to perhaps see him. And the one thing I noticed is not too many people were turning around to just check, just make sure that Christ wasn't coming. But I also noticed that many people weren't looking within. And this is our our spiritual path, to realize that Christ is just behind the veil of darkness, just behind the veil of the cloud within our consciousness. Swami Kriyananda was asked, how can we commune with Christ? Knowing Christ is so near, how can we commune with him? Of course, the path of devotion, of that devotional self-offering, which attracts his presence, but also in a very... Um, a simple way of understanding how we can commune with Christ, and it's a good reminder for us all, is that this, this spine is a channel of energy that can be released and offered to God, to receive God. And in this reading of the analogy of the lamps, are really an analogy of the chakras. And so as we draw our energy up, Swamiji said we can receive God, we can receive Christ. And when our energy drops, we cannot receive him. Very, very simple. So Yogananda recommended to us in light of that to keep our concentration at the point between the eyebrows. And as we focus there, it draws our energy up. And everything is a result of consciousness. So as we draw our energy up, as our consciousness is uplifted, we then can begin to perceive that living presence of Christ within us. And so one of the very, very helpful things that Yogananda recommended that I invite you all to practice, especially at this sacred time of year, 
is to gaze upwards with deep concentration and devotion and repeat inwardly, reveal thyself, reveal thyself. And Yogananda recommended this among many other techniques. But this is a very powerful way to engage that quality, that wanting nature in your heart. Because we have this wanting nature in our heart. And it has been given to us by God. And we just misused it a, a few too many times. But if we can re-engage that wanting nature in our heart and gaze upwards and with all of your devotion, repeat, reveal thyself, reveal thyself. And this will begin to attract this awakening of, of Christ. The power of devotion to, to keep our hearts open to receive Christ is so important on, on the spiritual path. Swami Kriyananda once <clears throat> told the story that especially after he would come back to this sacred place in Ananda village after traveling, he would receive a lot of reports about how things are going here at Ananda village. And he said that he felt lots of joy to hear all the good news, that houses were being built, projects were being complete, people were happy, people were getting along. He said, this is very nice to hear. Of course, no one really wants to come back to hear houses aren't being built, projects aren't being done, people aren't getting along. So he was, of course, filled with joy to hear this news. But he said that's not what he wanted to hear the most. He said, what I wanted to hear what pleased him the most was here to hear that people were growing and becoming more in love with God. That's what the point is. And he told a very funny story that once he was with uh, Seva G, and uh, Seva uh, was, you know, talking a little bit about some more particular details on some projects that weren't going so well, and uh, and Swamiji said that to her that everything's going. Great, isn't it? And he said that Seva, he could tell, was just a little uh, perplexed by this. That you know, Swamiji, everything you know, there's a lot of issues going on here. But then, of course, she got it. And Swamiji said that that's what we should all focus on. Is we have a lot of projects going on, especially now with the temple and the work is really growing. So we have to remember to to go within and to put as our highest priority that we commune with God, with deeper, longer, thirsty, guru-given meditation comes this celestial samadhi. And this is why we're all here. And we have to keep this fire burning in our heart, just as uh, a fire looks for fuel to burn. And without the fuel, it can, a fire cannot burn. And so just the same, we have to use everything in our life, every day, to feed this fire in our heart, to feed that devotional yearning for God. And so our disappointments, our successes, when things go well, when things uh, fall apart, to use everything to feed that fire. Because if we choose to focus on using everything to illuminate that fire in our heart, then we burn away all those things that are no longer serving us and keeping us from being able to be ready to receive the love of God. And... Master said something very powerful that no one can give you the desire for God. You must cultivate this desire for yourself. God himself cannot give this desire to you. 
as he said that God, when he made man, he didn't make them as puppets. He made them to use their free will and to choose themselves to, to love God. And one of the a beautiful poem that Paramahansa Yogananda wrote that is very beautiful to keep in your mind is that no matter how far God, how far Christ seems to be from your re living reality, to repeat that you may hide behind the ocean, you may hide behind delusion, you may hide behind life, but you cannot hide behind my love. For in the mirroring light of my love, you are revealed. And so we're all being asked to identify with something much greater than ourself, to not identify with the limited self-definitions that we carry. We're being asked to rise and to open, to receive Christ. And on this mission, we should never settle for anything less than God-realization. Swami Kriyananda always reminded everyone if they can, to strive in this life to become jivan muktas, to become free. So no matter how many times you might have tripped and fallen, or perhaps in your mind you believe that you're not able to deepen your meditation or do the things that we're recommended to do, to put that aside and just keep on striving. As Swami Kriyananda said, to never give up, to never give up, and to always remember that to never say that you have failed, but rather, I just have not yet succeeded. Because you see, when we hold that in our consciousness, when we're striving to become free, when we're striving each day to do the work, to keep our fire lit for the coming of Christ, if we fall, to keep that positive flow of energy rising up the spine, focusing it, offering it at the point between the eyebrows, offering everything. Even if we offer coal to God, guess what? He'll make diamonds out of it. So offer everything to him. There's a, there's a beautiful story that uh, a traveler uh, who was on an expedition, he was, he was going through a small town in Africa, and he noticed in this small town, which was surrounded by beautiful uh, nature all around, and he noticed that there was this herd of elephants, large, powerful elephants, that were tied to a post with a very thin rope. And the man was very perplexed by this. He first thought, why wouldn't, I mean, there's all this beautiful nature all around, why are they just standing there? So he saw a nearby trainer, and so he was very inquisitive and went to the trainer and, and said, I have to ask you, why? why aren't these elephants breaking free? They're not bound by any chains or any cages. Why is it that they're not choosing to break free and, and run? And the trainer told them that, you see, when they're very young, they were tied by the very same rope, a nice thin small rope. And this rope, when they're smaller, of course, can uh, hold the small elephant. And as they grow older, they become conditioned to believe that this rope can still hold them. And so the man was perplexed by this, to think that, you mean to tell me that these elephants can break free at any time, but just because they believe that they cannot, they're stuck there. And so just the same like these elephants, how often do we go through life 
hanging on to a belief that we cannot do something simply because we failed at it once before. We're asked to, to rise to our higher self, which each one of us have that potential of becoming Jivan Muktas. So don't focus on those periods of time that you may have tripped, that you may have felt that you've come a little short with your sadhana, or perhaps are not serving in the, the best way that you can. To put all of that aside and just hold in your consciousness the desire for God, because this is what's going to guide us to that point of realization that God is with us. He has always been with us. And Yogananda said that all of our reactions to all of the circumstances in our life, however we react to them, begin to identify the outcome of it, whether it's successful or failure. So hence going back to what Swamiji said to always hold in your consciousness and I know a lot of us know this, but we have to remember. This is the power of smriti, divine memory. It's very important on the spiritual path to stop and to look within and to remember, to hold that uh, teaching in our consciousness, that to never say that I have failed, but rather I have not yet succeeded, to keep our energy pointing in the direction that we're moving. I had a wonderful experience um, recently this summer when I went to Portland, Oregon for the Yogananda Festival. And when I was there, it was a very, very busy schedule. And uh, leading to my travels to Portland, it was a very, very busy schedule. So the busyness was in the air. And I was, I have to admit, I was quite tired even before going to Portland. And so Portland was a, a really beautiful experience, very, very expansive. And toward the end of that trip, uh, we had a main, one of the main events at Jyotish and Deviji were giving a public discourse, and uh, it ran a little late, and a lot of people uh, hopped on the first shuttles to get back to the land at Laurelwood to get to bed and get ready for the next day. And so a few of us were left behind in the city. There was a couple of monks and then just a, a small group of people. And so utilizing this time wisely, we of course chose to go out for pizza. <laughs> and so on our walkings through downtown searching for the best pizza, which I have to say we never actually found pizza, but uh, it was getting very late, and I was very tired, and so by the time we all got back to the land in Laurelwood, I was exhausted, and so did, did my, my, uh, my 14 Kriyas, and then went to bed. <clears throat> and so the next morning, getting up, I was exhausted. I felt like a, a truck had hit me or something, and I knew that as I woke up late, that there was a shuttle going back into town at a certain time, that I, I knew when I woke up that I only had time to maybe energize and just quickly get one round of Kriya done. And I, of course, knew that all the other shining monks were getting their sadhana on, and I felt like a, a train without any coal, you know, just trying to, trying to get there. And I felt really, really bad. I felt like I had failed big time. I felt like I failed master that I couldn't, I couldn't get up, I couldn't overcome this feeling of, of weakness. 
And so I was just talking to a master and saying how much I was feeling so bad that I, I'm just not able to, um, to follow through with your, your wishes for me. And I said, well, here you are, master. Here it is. So I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try to get one round of energization done, and then I'll try to get my Kriya before the shuttles leave. And so I stepped out of my tent, <clears throat> stumbling, and started energization, started the prayer, as we all know, and then started energizing. And then just at that moment, I, I was overwhelmed by the feeling of deep, deep love of Master, feeling just overwhelming sensations of bliss. And I was so touched by that and so grateful that, Master, what did I do to deserve this, this experience? Here I was the one who was the sheep who was lost and slowly making his way. And I really felt that this was a really good teaching for, for all of us. As it says in the Bible that God, Christ, comes as a thief in the night. So we have, sometimes we get stuck with thinking that we refine our diet, we refine our Kriya practice, we refine our sadhana, we refine our service, we do all of these things. We wear the right clothes, we get the right haircuts, we do all of these things <laughs> that we think are going to help us be prepared so that we can open the door wider and wider and wider to receive God. But we have to know that as long as we're doing our best each day with keeping our heart open, outwardly, yes, we follow the teachings, we do our best, but we have to go within and open the heart because you never, never know when God comes. He will come even at the time that you may feel the lowest. So keep yourself open, never shut yourself to that potential of God coming to you. I wanted to close with this <clears throat> very important thing to remember that when we do our practices and we go deep within and we listen to our souls and we experience the peace, we experience the love, we experience the light. As Master said, commune with Christ as joy found in meditation. So when you're meditating and you feel just even a little spark of joy, a little spark of light, feel and pray that you already have God in that spirit. And as you feel this light, as you feel this love, as you know at the very core of your being, that all there really is, is God's love. That's the gift of Yogananda to the West, to the world. And he, this is the gift for all of you, to know that all there really is, is God's love. And as long as you keep trying, Master said God will never turn his back to you, as long as you keep trying. And remember these words of Master, that he said, that if we keep striving in this life to love God and to offer ourselves to God, that come the end of our life, that if we've given it our best, that master or one of our gurus will be there to usher you into heaven. So remember that 
in every moment that you sit to meditate, as you see Yoganandaji's photograph, to know that his love is unconditional, is all accepting, and only wants the very best for, for each and every one of you. So this Christmas season, let's dive into our meditation. Let's try to offer ourselves and offer ourselves perhaps in ways that we thought we weren't able to do before because you, each one of you, have that potential to realize Christ, especially this Christmas season. So in that spirit, I, I wish you all of much love and Christ's light in your hearts. Yeah. 